Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear a message from myself, our Wellington campus pastor, Chris White. We really trust you'll enjoy today's message. So we're going to read from Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 5. So if you want to do, look that up. Look that up. And I, and can I know we often just applaud people with paper Bibles. Can I just say I want to applaud those with electronic Bibles today? <laughs> Come on, man. That's me. I'm with you. I'm with you, you know. Those other Bibles are heavy, you know. Although we do see, remember that life group, uh, that life group video a few weeks ago? And that guy Israel had an enormous Bible, eh? Enormous. I think, I think he just bought it just for the video. Here's my Bible. This is the kind of Christian that I am. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, that was so, so distracting. Okay, Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 5, it says this. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. I'm going to read that again. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with Him. And we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. But now that He lives, He lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. This is an incredibly powerful truth. And today, I want us to grab a hold of this. Because I think for many of, this, many of us, we have no idea of the understanding of this. Can we just pray for a moment? God, I just thank you that your spirit is here. And Lord, I thank you for this incredible truth of yours. God, I'm praying today, it would sink into our heart. It would settle in our spirit. There will be a defining line today where we walk away and we know without a doubt, God, that we are no longer slaves to sin. We believe it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, in 1943, a man by the name of Louis Zamperini was in World War II, an American soldier. He was on a search and rescue mission over the ocean to find a plane that had gone down. And unfortunately, his plane went down the process. Ten people were on board. Only three of them survived. He spent the next 46 days at sea in a rubber raft. No one had ever survived that long in a rubber raft before. Only to be captured by his enemy at the end of it. Spent the next two years in a prisoner of war camp. Man, this is, a, this is an encouraging start, isn't it, guys? Encouraging start. Uh, I'm not going to go on what happened in that prisoner of war camp. And look, there was a movie made about it called Unbroken. Some of you would have seen it a few years ago. I, I read the biography of the man. It's just a phenomenal thing. But uh, it, in September 2nd, 1945, uh, World War I was officially ended. And, uh, and they were released from that prisoner of war camp. And it's fascinating reading that they weren't even sure when that moment was. They weren't even sure what was going on. But hundreds of prisoners were just set free. And uh, in less than a month, he arrived back on the shore in the U.S. Now, the astounding thing was his family had been told that he had died because his plane went down. They never found the wreckage. They never found anyone from it. His family, some of them are holding hope, but it was hope against hope, really. So can you imagine the elation when he turned up? He turns up, and, and now it's like all of his life is coming back into line, you know? Now he's getting job offers. He was famous. He'd been an Olympic athlete, so people were finding out about him. Uh, you know, he met a woman. 
10 days later, he got engaged to her. You know, there's something, that, that, that's, that's happening fast there, you know what I mean? They had a child together, you know, married. And things looked like they're on their up and up. It looked like on the outside, his world was amazing. However, on the inside, he was still in that prisoner of war camp. He said every night he was plagued with nightmares. Every night he had had nightmares, and it was ruining him from the inside out. There were some nights he would uh, dream of revenge. One night he woke up. In his dream, he was strangling a guard. In reality, he was strangling his wife. It was actually ruining their marriage. In fact, his wife had told him that she was going to divorce him, that this thing was going nowhere fast. Uh, his inner world was really falling apart. But he made a decision. He needed to be free from the nightmare. The only solution he could come up with, which he thought was a sane solution, was he needed to go back to the country of origin, find those people who had, who had been mean to him, and he was going to take them out. That was, that was his solution. You know, a sane man. That was what he thought was the right thing. All through his life, you know, he'd, he'd prayed, all through the war, sorry, he'd prayed, God, if you could get me out of the situation, I'll serve you with all my heart. He'd grown up a Catholic, but kind of those beliefs never really made any difference in his adult life. Uh, and then came a moment. His wife, something radically changed her. He didn't know quite what that was. She invited him to come hear someone preaching. It wasn't in a church. It was in a tent. He'd never heard of the guy before. The guy's name was Billy Graham. And uh, he went along to a tent meeting of a Billy Graham crusade. He hated it. You know? He said, this guy was talking about one person the whole time. My gosh, you know, where is the variety to his speaking? You know, anyway, at, at, there was a moment when Billy Graham was inviting people. If you want to come and give your life to Christ, I invite you to stand. I invite you to come to the aisle. I invite you to come forward. He thought, now's my moment to get out. He stood up. He walked to the aisle. And instead of walking out, he turned the wrong way. And he walked to the front. Now, now, this is how he described it. His intention was to leave, yet he found himself at the front. Despite going the wrong way, he got on his knees and he wholeheartedly gave his life to Jesus Christ. Amazing moment. You never saw that in the movie, eh? You never saw that in the movie. I tell you, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He said, from that moment, forgiveness entered his heart. He was transformed. He said, from that day on, he knew he was free because he never had nightmares ever again. That, that's actually incredible. That's miraculous. Here's the thing. He went back to that country of origin where he'd been a prisoner of war. He sought out those guards, but instead of reaping revenge, he smiled at every one of them. He shook their hand. He told them, I forgive you. Some of them even give, gave their lives to God. Just an incredible story about freedom of someone. Forgiveness entered his heart. He was free. His marriage is back on track. His mind is restored. And no longer that, that sense of being a prisoner of war was no longer part of his going forward. He was free forever. Romans 6 says, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. It's powerful. We're no longer prisoners of war. Yet, even though some prisoners are released, just like Louis Zamperini, that in their head, they can still be trapped in that world. They can be trapped in that world. And some of us can be in the same, same vein too. In our mind, and our spirit, we still feel like we're back enslaved to sin. We feel like, I haven't come out of it. Even though that for many of us, we've, we've come before God. We said, God, come into my heart. Come into my life. I need your forgiveness. I believe that 2,000 years ago, you died on a cross. You died for me. You carried my sin upon your shoulders. And we believe that we've invited into our lives. Yet still, we feel this pull of sin. Yet still, we feel this struggle with, why am I still battling with this? 
Some of us have been Christians for five years, 10 years, 20, 50 years. Yet we're sitting in this room, we're watching online and we're thinking, why am I still struggling with this? Surely by now, I'm a 50-year-old man. Surely I would have sorted it out by now, you know? We think if others just knew what was going on inside my head, my gosh, I'd be embarrassed. At times I feel ashamed of myself. Then what do we do? How do we work out where we go to from here? I want to say there's two things I want you to grasp in this message today. Two things. They're really, really important. Number one is the Word of God does not lie. The Word of God does not lie. The truth is we are no longer slaves to sin. That is an absolute truth. It's in the Word of God. It needs to settle in your heart. You need to believe it. You need to grab a hold of it. That is absolutely true. But the second thing is this. The ongoing pull of sin is a daily battle. But to be like Christ, that's our ultimate goal. That is our ultimate joy. And to follow Him takes humility and a willingness to surrender. That first passage in Romans 6 was so victorious, you know. It was so full of like, yes, no longer slaves to sin. You know, it's, it's got that kind of, you know, like sense of victory in it. You know what I mean? Now, the very next chapter, by the way, written by the very same guy, uh, reads, reads this in Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I do what is right. Oh, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. In verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable man I am. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So this is the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy wrote most of the New Testament, you know. He launched heaps of churches, and this was his internal struggle. This is the internal struggle that goes on in my life and many other people's lives in this room, if we're honest. Maybe some people are not that honest. I don't know, you know. You're sitting there, I'm above all this. I've been a Christian for 18 months now. Things are really different, you know. Uh, but there's some real truths. There's some real truths that we can grab from this. Real truth. In Romans chapter 6, it says some key things. And I want you to grab a hold of them. Number one, we are united to Christ in his death. Well, what does this mean? Because it doesn't sound very hopeful, you know. We are united to Christ in his death. So when we unite with Christ, we unite with his death. That means death to our old self. Check this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Now, this is very different to the fact that Jesus died in our place. I mean, that's powerful. Jesus died in our place, and all of sin was placed upon his shoulders, okay? And that brought us salvation. But this, this is a different sort of death. This is about us and our life going forward. So while Jesus was on the cross, he took the weight of the sin upon his shoulders from every person of mankind, past, present, and future, he bore that sin upon him. Then he went into the grave. He died. 
And he paid that price, the ultimate price, which was death. Three days later, he rose again. And the power that rose Jesus from the dead, that's the power that is promised to be inside every one of us. In that, though, he broke the power of sin because he said, this no longer has a hold on me. So it no longer has a hold on you. He broke the power of sin. Therefore, as we unite with him in his death, the power of broken sin is now in our lives. It is over us. It is a part of us. It's who we are. But the second thing is this. We also share in his resurrection power. Romans 8 verse 11 says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So God's power, that power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power that broke all the, all the hold of sin now is alive in you. It's alive in me. It no longer has a hold over us. Man, have you ever wondered why uh, the Bible says that baptism is a significant part of our faith journey? It says that like in, in, in Acts 2, Peter's speaking to a crowd. You know, amazing things are happening. People, are, lives are being transformed. And they're like, what do we need to do? This is what he said, two, Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Man, I know that Peter said it, but really, is baptism, is it really that necessary? I mean, come on. You know, I mean, I remember there was two guys on the cross next to Jesus, right? One of them was just mocking him. But the other guy was like, hey, you know, Jesus, I, I respect you. I, actually, I, I believe in you. You've done nothing wrong, you know. Hey, could you remember me? And Jesus said, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I'm pretty sure he wasn't taken down off the cross and baptized and put back up there, you know. I mean, I, you know, no one went to the, he's, he's just, we need to take him down, guys. Take him down. Just prepare a pool. Make it a spa. Heat that water up. Gee, put him in there, back on it. They didn't do that. That wasn't what they did, you know? So was it, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, you know? A few other people, Salvation Army, ex-Salvation Army people here. We never baptized anyone in the Salvation Army, you know? I didn't get baptized until I was at Bible college at 24 years of age. You know? In fact, we never took communion either. All the good things happen in the Pentecostal church, guys. <laughs> My gosh. And I tell you what, if you're Catholic, I think it's wine as well. So that's, that's, just, that's just worth considering. Um, Sorry, is that okay to say here? Yeah, I don't know if that's... Maybe we've overstepped the mark. Look, I spoke earlier about Louis Zamperini, who was a prisoner of war. The military has learned a lot since those days. They've realized that when people spend time in a prisoner of war camp, they go to all sorts of dark places in their head just to live, just to survive. You know, they create false worlds in their head, and they get their minds in a real tangle just so that they can cope. And so they realize when they bring them out of a prisoner of war camp, that's when their counselors and psychologists go to work. They're trying to help them unravel what's been going on in their head. They, they call it a decompression zone where they need to actually have therapy. They need to decompress after that. Can I tell you, I believe baptism is like our very own decompression zone. God, so what it is, it's a physical thing that we do that represents something that is incredibly spiritual and true. We, we, we do something in the physical realm to show what is actually happening spiritually. Baptism is the imagery of death. Again, man, where do we get these great symbols from? But it's, it's a symbol of death. Why is it death? Well, firstly, it immediately associates us with the death of Jesus Christ. 
So what we do is we lay someone down into the water. They, they're fully immersed. Baptizo actually means immersion, full immersion. They have to go fully under. And then we hold them there. You know, for however long it takes, I think. I mean, Jesus was in the grave for three days. We could at least wait three minutes. I don't know. I don't, maybe we don't. We actually don't. We don't pause there. I'm just making it up. Some of you are like, man, I'm being baptized in a couple of weeks. I'm nervous. No, we hardly wait. Maybe a minute tops. You know, that's, no, we don't. We don't wait. We don't wait. We just put them under, fully immersed. Then we bring them back up. But I tell you what, it, it, it immediately associates after with the death of Christ. But the second thing, it's so final. Death is such a final image. It's actually an incredibly powerful image of a change of state. God wants to impress on upon us. It is death. Death. There's no going back. It's death to the old thing. There's no going back. I don't know if you've ever had someone close to you pass away. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sobering moment. And, and you, you suddenly realize there's this line in the sand where there is no going back anymore. Like I, like I had my own dad passed away when I was 17 years old. I remember it was a Saturday. You know, I was with one of my sisters and my parents. We had lunch together. There was no sign that anything was going to happen. Casual conversation, enjoying each other's company. Then in the afternoon, out of the blue, he had a cardiac arrest. Ambulances came. They worked on him for over an hour, but to no avail. And I'm lying on my bed. I remember lying on my bed at that night thinking, man, it was only hours earlier that I could have a conversation with him. And that moment, I, I can't reach that anymore. I'm, I'll never experience that until the day when I get into heaven and I meet him face to face. It's this moment in time where you can't go back. Death is final. Death is final. You don't cross back over that line. Death is final. And that's what God's saying about our sin. He said, hey, the power of sin over your life, man, that's broken. That's final. You know, there's no going back over that. We don't go back into our prisoner of war camp. No, 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 no. We're out now. We're out for good. And God's trying to unravel our mind, unravel our heart, help us to understand. It's incredible. It's incredible what God has done. Someone wrote this about baptism. The death we go through is the happy execution of our old self and the body ruled by sin. The old is gone, the new has come. So this is where our, our thinking needs to unravel. If the band could come and join me. Some of us, we're, we're in our old thinking still. Our mindset's still the same. You know, we'll go through some of these old patterns. And our mind was like, ah, man, yeah, I do that same old thing again. I always do that. You know what? I'll probably never be free of this. Can I just say no? No. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to accept that. We don't have to accept that. You might be like, oh, man, once I see red, there's no turning back. Man, I just lose control. I'll get angry. My dad was angry. I'm just, I guess I'm just cut from the same cloth. No, you're not cut from the same cloth. You're actually now cut from a new cloth because the old is gone. The new has come. The spirit inside of us leads us towards Christ, leads us towards the thing of heaven. Maybe you thought, man, I've had this trouble for so long. This problem, I come back to again and again and again. I will never be free of this. Maybe this freedom is not for me. Maybe it's just for everyone else. Can I say, no, that is not true. We are no longer slaves. The old is gone. The new has come. But here's what we struggle with. It's what I alluded to at the start. 
Well, if I am free from sin, why do I keep having these battles with it all the time? Why am I, why am I still struggling with this? Can I just remind you of what the Apostle Paul wrote and what he said? The best way I can explain this is this. The war has been won, but battles still come. The war has been won, but battles still come. Man, that's the reality. The war's declared over. We're freed. We're out of that prisoner of war camp. But battles are still going to come our way. I want to remind you of these two things I spoke about at the very start that we need to understand. They need to, they need to be in our heart. We need to grab these with everything we've got. The Word of God does not lie. You have been freed from the power of sin. And the truth is we're no longer slaves. But the second thing is the battles that take place every day are the real battles of ongoing pull of sin. And it's those battles that we need to bring to God. It's those battles we need to submit to Him again. They're a part of our journey to be like Christ, to lay down our lives in humility and surrender. Remember, to be like Christ is our ultimate goal. It's our ultimate joy. I heard someone say this, I'm a hypocrite because I can't live up to what Jesus said. But if I could, I wouldn't need Him. Yet somehow we think, ah, I think I've matured to the, to the point I, I shouldn't need Him, I think. But we all need Him. Every day we need Him. Every day we need to come back to Him. That's the kind of tension we live in. Man, we've all got struggles, internal battles that are going on. Just in my own life. Man, as a kid, I struggled with anger. Probably might be a surprise to a bunch of you. Man, I used to, I used to lose it on a sports field. Couldn't control my fists. I remember as an 11-year-old boy, I broke the front tooth of my best friend. Just over a sports game, you know? Now, I had to work hard to try and bring out that under control, but... Even as an adult, I can still feel every now and then that thing wants to flare up. Every now and then I feel ashamed of that. Why would I have a problem with that? But that's one of the battles that I face. For years, I had these thoughts go through my head that were, were dark thoughts. Like I'm like, I'm thinking things I knew were so wrong. You know, at one point in my life, I felt like I just had this picture of myself. I thought, here I, I am. I just saw this big, dark hole that was just going down further and further, and I was at the bottom. And I was just spiraling, spiraling further down. I thought, if people knew what was going on inside of my mind, they'd think so differently about me. But that's part of the battles that I faced. I had to come, come back to God. For a lot of my life, I've, I've, I've battled with pride. I remember the first time I was faced with it, I did one of these personality tests that said, you know, you've got a high drive factor to look good. And I thought, no, I don't. I do, that's not me. I was angry. I was like, how, you know, which was my other problem. Uh, you know, that's not me. I'm not like that at all. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, no, I want everyone to think I'm a good guy. That's high on my motivation list. But unfortunately, that led me to some really bad decisions at times. Brought me to places where my mental health wasn't in a good space. I'm like, why am I battling with this? Why am I frustrated by this? 
I remember as a young, uh, young adult, I found that scripture in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I live in Christ, I live to Christ who died for me, gave his life for me. And I started to read that over and over again. I, I wanted that truth to sit in my heart. And what I, what I have to do, I had to come to God every time I fell over. God, I'm so sorry. I've got to come. I've got to ask for forgiveness. I need you. But every time I fell over, does that mean the battle was over? I lost the war? No, 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 no. No. The war is still won. There's just battles that are going to come. And maybe I just lost that battle. So what do I do then? I've just got to come back to Christ. I've got to come back in repentance. I've got to ask for forgiveness. Give Him my life. God, I need you. I can't live without you. Psalm 37 has this incredible picture of what righteous men and women look like. It says this, The steps of a good man, woman, uh, are directed and established by the Lord, and He delights in His way and blesses His path. When He falls, He will not be hurled down, because the Lord is the one who holds His hand and sustains Him. Man, the writer of that psalm was not like, hey, maybe a righteous man might fall. There might be an occasion where that happens. No, no, no. It's inevitable. When he falls, when he stumbles, when he falls over, he's not hurled down. Why? Because the power of sin has been broken in his life. And God reaches out, grabs him with his hand and lifts him back up again. Come on. The war has been won. The war has been won over sin in our life. But we just have to have a heart that's willing to be repentant. We just have to come back to Him again and again and again. Jesus, I need You. Jesus, I'm growing to be more like You. I need You in my life. I haven't got there yet. Maybe I won't get there yet in this lifetime. But God, I need You in my life. I need You in my life. Can we stand on our feet across this room? Can we stand on our feet? Man, the power of God is here. The power of God is here. God wants you to understand He has broken the power of sin in your life. He's broken it. But He wants you to keep coming back to Him in repentance. He wants you to, every time you lose a battle, come back to Him. God, I need you. I mucked up again. I need you though. Come and bring forgiveness. Let your whole heart turn. Let you respond in faith towards God. And we need to stop viewing repentance as failure and start viewing repentance as transformation. Hey, we need to stop viewing repentance as failure and start viewing it as transformation. God, I'm coming before you humble, a humble heart, and I offer you my life. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.